in today's service, I'm going to talk about spirituality as a broader theme than just religion. Religion is such a small, human-made part of uh, spirituality. I'm not going to focus on spirituality in general terms. I'm going to focus very specifically on singular experiences of spiritual transcendence, of union with the divine. And the cosmos as our second reader today, El Enlightenment records along with others. The history of such experiences in the Christian world goes back as early as the church. In other traditions such as Buddhism, it goes back centuries before. But the scientific challenge for such higher level spirituality is whether or not these experiences are the response of neural activities achieving some sort of uh, unique state within human consciousness. The scientists call these material responses. And every scientist that Alan Lightman interviewed said, yeah, we'll get there one of these days. We'll, we'll explain it all. Okay, that's the challenge in religion and spirituality. Consciousness, whether artificial or in our, in living brains. <clears throat> Today, we are in the throes of what's called artificial intelligence, which are simulations of um, thinking behavior. And uh, uh, the whole idea, as you saw that robotic head uh, in that video snippet, uh, is in fact a, uh, a pretty amazing dialogue carried on between this head and an intelligence system behind it. It's rather remarkable. It's in this series. Um, if it is not artificial or material in source, then we can claim these experiences, what I call fully transcendent experiences, as realities with names associated from various cultural and religious forms. All living systems are conscious. All living systems, down to the tiniest. They respond to their environment. They sense. They act. In Teslas, uh, you see an example of artificial intelligence that is sensing the world around it as it drives, mostly sensing, and has feedback so that it can say, oops, I have to correct because something has come into the side of you. That's self-awareness in a machine, feedback. We all have self-awareness that guides us to pull the hand away from the hot handle or uh, quit abusing this person if we uh, allow our self-awareness to have a moral content. But 
But as humans, we have more than self-awareness. We have the capacity to, within our brain, exercise a process of being aware of our awareness. So, you sit here today and you say, hmm, okay, how, how does that work? <laughs> uh, it is a meditative exercise, for example, but um, you pull within your brain and you consciously reflect on the fact that, yes, I've had self-awareness experiences. Yes, I have certain personality traits. Yes, and you can pull within and analyze self, okay? This is called meta-consciousness. It is a consciousness above the simple self-awareness consciousness. <clears throat> Using our capacity for meta-awareness is the basics, basic basis sorry, for the mystic's ability to shed layers of self. I've described this in the past as uh, being like an onion and being able to pull within the onion and share, shed the various layers until you come to the core. And I'll come back to that later. There's not a pit there. It's not a peach with a pit. It's an onion. We'll come back. <clears throat> but this is the shedding of self that all the mystics, my favorite, of course, is Meister Eckhart. I've talked on Meister Eckhart before. He calls it becoming naked before God. Shedding completely our sense of self. There are other experiences that people say in crowd conditions, mob behavior, so on, that we lose our sense of self. But I'm talking about a purely individual sense of comprehensive meta-awareness that comes to the very root of our capacity of, uh, of uh, awareness. An author in the late 5th century, Pseudo-Dionysius, is known as, thought likely to have written at that time period, is the source of much of the mystical writings in the early Catholic, Western Catholic Church. He wrote on contemplation that the relationship between me and thee, human and God, quote, must be transcended by a process leading to ecstasy. The human spirit, he continues, must seek to go forth out of itself into the uncreated object of its contemplation. And so, to be utterly merged, what is known as becoming in union with God, as the Christian mystics stated, or to be in union with the eternal Buddha, or other forms of mystical shedding of self and union with something that we say is beyond us. Okay. So this kind of trans uh, transcendent 
transcendence I'm sorry, is defined as an existence or experience beyond normal or physical level. One can experience transcendence in a beautiful sunset. We've done that. It takes you out of yourself. That is transcendent. But it's kind of the first level of the kind of uh, particular transcendence that I'm talking about here. <clears throat> For scientists, there are likely to be the result of a special brain state. I call it neural harmony. Uh, one of the experiments that Alan Lightman, the physicist, explored in this three-part PBS series uh, was uh, a neurophysicist who was watching in his brain scan neural activity as Lightman was focusing on an image of the starry sky. He never achieved, <laughs> I'm sorry, seeing it, uh, uh, the, the sky in a picture is different, uh, as Stephen was saying, than uh, experiencing it in nature, seeing it in a picture. But anyhow, they said as he focused, uh, the extra neural activities associated with other parts of sensing, because we, we think as we even contemplate, began to settle down. So I said, well, maybe there is the, some unique neural state that we can't find yet that is associated with this. That would be the material or scientific point of view. And that was what Alan Lightman sought in his series, was to find out if there wasn't someone who could explain his transcendent experience. But in his book, one of his books, he quotes a, um, a person well-known whose writing is well-known to me, a uh, 20th century psychologist, uh, 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 spiritualist and Unitarian, William James, in the book uh, Varieties of Religious Experiences. And James writes, I remember the night and almost the very spot on the hilltop where my soul opened up, as it were, into the infinite. And there was a rushing together of two worlds, the inner and the outer. It was deep, calling unto deep. The deep that my own struggle opened up within being answered by the unfathomable deep without, reaching beyond the stars. I stood alone, James wrote, with him who has made me in all the beauty and love and sorrow and even temptation. Having once felt the presence of God's spirit, I have never lost it again for long. My most assuring evidence of God's existence, he wrote, is deeply rooted in that hour of vision in the memory of that supreme experience, what Pseudo-Dionysius referred to as ecstasy, what Alan Lightman experienced and was trying to explain in material terms. Not yet. Pseudo-Dionysius' words I quoted from the 5th century are just such an experience of these. Now, my personal journey. I too have experienced 
fully transcendent union with the divine. It was through a series of uh, guided meditations by a Zen master that I have uh, studied and worked with virtually. And it was a process as uh, is taught in, in uh, Christian mystical approaches of shedding oneself, of coming within, back to the onion, of shedding my protective layers, my dark side, recognizing it, and being aware of it, but allowing that to be, to be, letting these layers go. And you start by becoming aware of it, and then let it go, and aware of it, and letting it go. And ultimately, the question is, what is behind awareness? Is there a layer of something beyond metaconsciousness, awareness? And in contemplating that, I suddenly had the experience mentally visual of being a part of some cosmic state of awareness where there was no self, there was just pure, beautiful awareness. And I said, oh, this must be God. <laughs> what else could I call it at that point? It was an amazing experience. Um, and as James wrote, it has been, along with some other lesser experiences, a touchstone experience that is, as James wrote, my most assuring evidence of God's existence in that cosmic experience. And yes, it is mysterious. Thich Nhat Hanh wrote on a key meaning he found in the Lotus Sutra, writing, we participate in the Buddha's infinite lifespan and limitless spiritual strength when we are able to get in touch with the ultimate dimension of everything we see. At that, we are also in touch with our own ultimate nature and spiritual power. For Thich Nhat Hanh, who in fact knew nirvana, experienced that ultimate union. In Buddhism, those who experience it could transcend themselves into it, but those who choose to know that experience for real as a personal spiritual experience come back to share their insight into the divine with others. They're called bodhisattvas. And in Mahayana Buddhism, such as Thich Nhat Hanh, he was a bodhisattva. He chose to share his living experience of having found that ultimate transcendent state. So uh, I have, in preparation for today, been revisiting uh, the reality of my own experience of this cosmic awareness. Uh, trying to say, okay, Tom, 
where do you stand after all this? All right, you're a great science believer. You look for a rational explanation of everything. I've been thinking, you know, maybe it's this special neural state. Well, okay. But, Tom, you got to deal with it. <laughs> what do you believe? So, uh, I have chosen to say that this pure state of cosmic awareness, I know the truth that God is here with us as awareness. When you read scripture and it talks about knowing, I'm not sure where, I'm not a scripture scholar, uh, knowing even the tiniest bird and, and a leaf falls, whatever those are, that is awareness. That is God's awareness. And when I talk about God sharing our suffering, that's God's awareness. It's a loving awareness. The other feelings that I had as the guided series took me was, okay, but what do you feel within yourself? And I said, the feeling that comes to me from this, in this experience, is compassion. That's what I associated with this awareness. You can't have compassion without that level of awareness. And that is God to me. So, I stand before you saying I choose to fully embrace this reality of God's caring presence with us as Richard reminded us last week, as our source of hope, hope for the future of our planet, our humanity. Alan Lightman's series of meetings with leading scientists was to find out if it was simply an expa a material explanation. He reached no answer. But like the other scientists he interviewed, he was still sure that it wasn't a religious, spiritual experience. It was something mysterious, but not yet found, and it will be found in the material. In my own personal experiences of touching the divine, including this one, these experiences for me do not derive from the material, the essence of brain matter, but from the ultimate, the divine, God. And I don't expect to live long enough to see the end of the competition between these two. But I am content to let that mystery I'm open to <clears throat> Okay, the gospel. Updated from John 1. <laughs> In the beginning was the word will and wisdom. And this was with God and was God. He, she, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through them, and without them not one thing came into being. What has come into being in them was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. 
Um, the great mystery, I think, awareness is what brought out that spot of energy. <laughs> awareness transcends our time. 